Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is taken from Psalm 127, verse 1, which says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. The idea behind this verse is that without the Lord, everything is wasted and useless. Unless the Lord builds a house, unless the Lord builds your home, and I'm not talking about the physical building, I'm talking about the people in the, in the house. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. And unless the Lord keeps the city, keeps life, keeps the world, unless he keeps the Lord, they labor in vain. The Lord is the one who created this world. The Lord is the one that created each person, including yourself. And he's the only one that where you can find hope. He's the only one that has salvation. He's the only one that can meet your need. He's the only one that can open the door for you and help you. He's the only one that can bless you. We need to pray. We need to read the scriptures. We need to walk with the Lord. And he will bless us. He will use us. He will open doors for us. And he will go before us. And we will see fruit for our labors. People, I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone. And when I meet the scoffers who ask me where they are, I say my sins are gone. They're underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, praise God, my sins are gone. T'was at the old-time altar where God came in my heart, and now my sins are gone. The Lord took full possession, the devil did depart. I'm glad my sins are gone. They're underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary. As far removed as darkness is from dawn. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Dennis Campbell, who's the Director of Development for Global Outreach Mission. Dennis and I traveled to Indonesia recently, and we just had a wonderful time we had the privilege of being at a graduation uh, ceremony where 53 pastors had been given intense training for 40 days. They had actually left their ministry and left their families and came to this training center and were fed and uh, provided for, and they were given some of the best training, discipleship and and how to prepare sermons and how to minister and theological training. We had the privilege of being at the graduation ceremony and uh, several of these pastors gave their testimony. And Dennis, why don't you uh, share some of those with us? Yes, Brian, it was really heartwarming to be able to hear the individual pastors coming from each island. And each island uh, has a completely different culture. Some uh, were very strong uh, in the Muslim area. Some have a lot of Buddhist. Some still are very steeped in the village culture. So this is the first time many of these men have had an opportunity to come out and gather together in a large group, and they really expressed their testimony first to be able to share uh, the love of Christ with other men in this kind of a format, 
they said that they will leave here understanding the power of the church because they felt so cared for and given such a wealth of information of both biblical and uh, human knowledge on the farming techniques. They felt so enriched. Some actually used that word. I am not only blessed, but I am so more enriched in my understanding and such a value to my community and my local church. So it, it was really heartwarming to see the emotional effect of these men. Uh, one of the themes that they used there during graduation uh, to show the intensity was they used the word militant, but not in a negative connotation as we might think here in the West, but they talked about being committed and dedicated to Christ and the and the gospel and spreading the word. Sort of soldiers of as Christ. A- absolutely, Brian. And I were think, Christian soldiers. <laughs> a- amen. I mean, and I think that's what we saw, that sometimes we become so apologetic in our world that talks about so much tolerance And here these men were living in a place where the religion is being pushed out by the government is Muslim. Uh, We saw that in in some of our further trips, how they are formally absolutely supporting things in these villages and penalizing those that are not Muslims, penalizing the Christians. And these men realize that they need to have that kind of soldier of the Lord mentality of how they have to be able to defend the faith and continue to stand strong in their villages. And their testimonies were just would break your heart when you understood some of the backgrounds and experiences. They've come to a decision. Uh, they were selected uh, through a large group. They, they do an interview process. So they were committed, and they have been completely cut off for 40 days from their family, their village, their culture. And now they come together as, as brothers in Christ. And uh, many of them got together on the day of graduation and began to sing. And I, I just leaned over to my translator and I said, I, I hope I can be in the Indonesian part of heaven, uh, with a joke, but just because of the songs and their voices singing up as they sang hymns together on their final day of graduation. Yeah, that was quite an experience there. I was really encouraged by some of the testimonies. Uh, These men really needed to be brought together, encouraged with the Word of God, being fortified with the Word of God. And it's just amazing the way that they were so blessed. I was so thankful for the church that we're partnering with because they had already helped the the families to live without the, the husband and without the pastor being at the church. And these men were then free to to just learn and, and be involved in ministry and, and to just soak up the Christian fellowship that was there, plus all the education that was given. I think with the news we hear so much about what's happening in many of these Muslim nations and we hear about the radical movements taking place, it was very uh, strengthening of myself of understanding that here there are also Christians in these same countries that are standing their ground and even have a strategy to continue to defend the faith And it just tells me what we need to do to come alongside of these Christians that are on the front line every day in these villages and in these nations and how they were so encouraged to be able to share what their daily life was like and what they were trying to do with us and what we can do to encourage and support this type of outreach because clearly the Christians in the major cities are recognizing what's happening in the rest of the nation and they're putting their funds behind this project, and they were clearly encouraged to know that there were those in North America that were hearing their cries to come along 
And it's real something important that we're going to have to do to really continue to encourage their battle uh, as they're facing this threat in their own nation. Yeah, this was just a wonderful experience to be around these men who, who you might say are on the front lines of ministry. And they're out there all alone, pastors of these churches. And Christian fellowship is so important for them to let them know that they're not alone, that people are praying for them, that people care for them, that people want to meet their needs and support them. So it was just a wonderful opportunity for us to to be among them. It was so wonderful after the ceremony was over how many of them wanted to come up and and uh, shake our hands and have have a word of encouragement and a word of blessing back and forth, and uh, we could pray. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour, and we trust the Lord will continue to bless those who hear the gospel being preached across these airwaves. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we would not be on the air without the support of our listeners. This month, we're offering a booklet entitled Caregiving, which is a very important booklet. My mom and dad needed care towards the end of their lives, and my wife Patty's mom needed care in her latter years. We're caregivers. This booklet is a tremendous resource, and I wish I would have had this booklet when we were going through the process ourselves because taking care of someone in your home is a ministry and helps you to work through the various issues that you face and really helps you with scripture to overcome in giving care to another person. So I highly recommend this, this booklet. Please write in to our uh, broadcast to the Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York 14231, and the booklet's name is Caregiving. Sometimes, Sometimes praise the Lord. Sometimes gently singing. Our hearts in one accord. Sometimes alleluia. Sometimes praise the Lord. Sometimes gently singing. Our hearts in one Sometimes gently singing, our hearts in one accord. Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson. Printed copies are available upon request. Most of us know about the Ten Commandments, but have you ever heard of the Eleventh Commandment? I want to talk about that today, but first of all, let me tell you something interesting. A man telephoned his wife from a pay telephone, and finishing his call, he said goodbye and replaced the receiver. As he was walking away, the phone rang. Thinking he owed more money, he lifted the receiver and heard the operator say, I thought you'd like to know, sir, just after you hung up, your wife said she loved you. Precious. But you know, whether you've hung up on God or not today, he says, I love you. 
He says, I know your problems. I can solve them. I know your needs. I can supply them. Just cast your care on me. I care for you and I love you. Have you experienced his love? Wouldn't you like to? It's interesting that love is so lacking today. If there was ever a day when love is needed to be prominent in our society, it's now. There's so much hatred and evil and bias and bigotry and revenge and selfishness, and I could go on and on. And then there's just uh, human love, which never goes far enough. What we need today is God's love shining out of a true Christian heart and life. And that true love, God's very love, has to begin in the life of every believer in Christ. Jesus said something in the New Testament, which is really very, very vital. John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus gave what I would like to call the 11th commandment. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Yes, this is not an option. It's the command of Jesus, and you'll find it all through the scriptures. Peter, Paul, John, James, Jude, they all write about it. And this morning, for our text, I want to share with you what Peter says about living in the last times or the last days. And I want to emphasize this 11th commandment of Jesus, which he undoubtedly refers to loving one another. I'm reading from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. Verse 8 is the verse we're going to dwell on, but 1 Peter 4, 7 to 10. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Now verse 8. And above all things have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Yes, Peter is saying here that love is the very first thing of importance. And then he says something very interesting. He says this love will cover the multitude of sins. What in the world does that mean? We're going to talk about that in just a few moments. But now let's think for a minute. Very often in Christian work and church activities, this new commandment of Jesus is forgotten in the hurry, the excitement, the strain of duties and changing circumstances by the very people to whom it was given. Because Jesus was speaking to his own when he said, love one another as I have loved you. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one to another. And that love someone has illustrated is much like a plant. It will only grow and remain in health if it's cared for. The cultivation of our love for one another and for others is a personal responsibility. You see, you and I have to allow that love to absolutely possess and then flow through our lives. But what kind of love are we talking about here? 
Paul wrote about it, too, in a great love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. He said, now abides faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And then Peter says, above all things, have fervent love among yourselves. Now, in the King James translation, verse 8 of 1 Peter 4, the word charity is used. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. But the actual Greek word here is the word agape. It's used in the New Testament 29 times, and every instance where it occurs, it means God's love. Now, charity is an important thing, but a person can be charitable without having God's love in their heart, motivating or prompting it. On the other hand, I have known some very charitable people whose only motive was the very love of God reaching out through them to give and to give and to give of themselves in love. Now, when we think of this word love, did you know there are three well-known Greek words for love? One is eris, one is phileo, and the other is agape. The word eris, used in Greek mythology as the god of love, used in classical Greek for love between the sexes, love of sweethearts, and so on. But it is never used in the New Testament translation. The other two are phileo and agape, and phileo is a broader word, generally used for love between friends, kindly, friendly affection, used for the love of parents for their children, children for their parents, and used to promote a, a good brotherly love feeling among uh, brothers and sisters in Christ in the fellowship of the church. But then agape. Agape is used for the highest kind of love, all-absorbing, dominating one's whole being. And in 1 Corinthians 13, where it is found nine times, and here in this text where it is found twice, 1 Peter 4.8, the word love here is agape love. That's God's very love. And it says that this kind of love is to be expressed among ourselves. Now, how in the world can a person express God's very love? Well, it only happens when they are born again. If you have never been born again and become a true Christian, you have never experienced, nor can you ever express God's love, agape love. Here's what it says in the Bible in Romans 5 and verse 5. It says, the love of God is shed abroad, that's agape love, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit given unto us. And that happens when we receive Christ. When we acknowledge we're sinners, repent of the sin, believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins, shed his blood to forgive us. When we turn from our sins and receive him into our hearts by faith and put our faith and trust in Christ, Christ alone and his finished work on Calvary, we are saved, we are cleansed, we are born again, and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. And when he does, he sheds abroad in our hearts. He floods our hearts with the very love of God. And unless that happens, I repeat, you cannot experience 
or express that love. That's probably why so many people in churches today who claim to be Christians are hard to get along with. They have an unforgiving spirit. They often say, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. They fight with one another. Why? Because they've never truly been born again. They're just constantly a bitter people. They do not have the love of God in their hearts. Maybe you better search your heart out today if you're that kind of person. Because no matter how much you profess, it's what comes out in your daily living that proves whether or not your profession of a Christian is really true and real. Now, what does it mean when it says in this text that this love, this agape love will cover multitude of sins, a multitude of sins? Now, how can that be? I want to share two things and explain what this means. Love, God's love, agape love, will cover another's sins by forgiving them, and love will cover another's sins by forgetting them. Now, what does it mean that we have the ability to cover another's sins or multitude of sins by forgiving them? Does it mean that a Christian has the power to say that, that uh, another person is forgiven by God? Well, only on the basis of Scripture. But you see, what it means clearly is that no Christian has the power to atone for another person's sins. Only Jesus Christ did that on the cross of Calvary. And a person can only know the forgiveness of sins by coming to Christ, who says, I will forgive you of all your sins if you trust me. But what we're talking about here and what Peter's talking about is within the family of God or even the framework of a neighborhood or where you work or whatever, when another person sins against you, when they do something bad toward you, when they say something evil about you, when they are sinful toward you, Love will cover that person's sins toward you by your forgiving them. You see, Peter says, above all things, have fervent love among yourselves. This is so important. It's not an option. It's this 11th commandment. Jesus said, love one another. And so when you do that, it means that you say, I forgive you for what you did against me. Now, it's interesting how uh, people love to dwell upon the guilt of someone else. But you see, the Bible teaches clearly that that is not the answer. Uh, if you dwell upon the guilt of yourself, it will drive you to despair. If you dwell upon the guilt of someone else toward you, it will drive you to revenge. And God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. The Bible clearly teaches that we are to forgive as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us, Ephesians 4.32. Somebody says, well, I'll forgive only if, if he or she forgives me, or I'll forgive, but uh, I'll never forget, or I'll forgive if so-and-so does this, this, that. That is not the way God forgives. Would you want God to forgive you like that? 
The Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, I repeat that we are to be tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. How does he forgive us? He forgives us fully. He forgives us freely. He forgives us finally. He forgives us faithfully. Every time we sin, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't try to cover your own sins. Proverbs 28, 13 says, <laughs> you won't prosper. But if you have a forgiving spirit because the love of God flows out from you, you will be able to forgive another brother or sister, and that will cover the sins they've done against you. But the other side of that coin, and they go together, is that love will cover another sins by forgetting them. You see, the forgetting part is so vital because when you really forgive a person, you do forget that they ever said that or did that against you. And the measure of your love for God is clearly expressed by the measure of your forgiving and forgetting spirit toward others. Love is like a lubricant, and as you go around, you'll find squeaky people everywhere, squeaky saints, squeaky people who just constantly uh, uh, make life miserable for others. They squeak about everything, and you could go around with love, just like a little can of oil, and just drop a drop or so of love into people's hearts and lives by saying a kind, loving word, doing a kind, loving deed. I read about an interesting story uh, of a Christian mechanic who lost an expensive tool from his toolkit. Sometime later, recognized it in the kit of one of his fellow workmen. And he, being the only Christian in the shop, felt it incumbent upon him to show forgiveness. So after praying about it, he went to his fellow mechanic and said softly and kindly, I see you have one of my tools in your kit. You may keep it if you need it. He then dismissed the incident and forgot about his missing tool. But during the next few weeks, his fellow workmen tried in three different occasions to give him the value of the missing tool. Once he offered to give him another of equal value, and again by offering his services after hours, and finally by slipping money into the coat pocket of this man. The incident closed by the two men becoming close and lasting friends. The guilty man said, I couldn't stand being forgiven. Yes, true forgiveness always pays off because it is Christ-like. Above all things, have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins by forgiving and by forgetting. Oh, if you want to promote and preserve peace and unity and love among your fellow church members and among your neighbors, adopt a loving attitude toward them. Let God's love flow out from you and through you. Forgive the sins that made you sad. Forget them, though they seem so bad, with God's love gushing from your heart. He'll give you grace for a brand new start. Yes, above all things, fervent love among each other covers the multitude of sins. And by this, Jesus said, all men will know that those who truly are Christians do belong to Jesus Christ 
because they love one another. That's the key to revival in the church, the key to a transformation of life in this nation. Why not let it begin in you today? God bless you, my friend. Very Canada's National Bible Hour share biblical truth and Bible doctrine to help people grow in their faith, but we're also concerned about those who may be listening in who have never received Jesus Christ, their personal savior. And so we'd like to share a brief evangelistic message, which simply says this, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all come short. We've all done things we are embarrassed about, things that we are, things that bring guilt to us. We realize that we did the wrong thing. Those things are called sin. The Bible calls it missing the mark. God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's a perfect God, and we are not. And so therefore, we're not able to get into his presence because he's a holy God, and we are sinners, and we need grace. And the grace is that the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth, lived a sinless life. He was a God-man. He went to the cross. He bore our sins in his own body. He died and rose again on the third day. And because he died for our sins on the cross, our sins are paid for. And so when we, we exercise faith, when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. When you trust Christ for your salvation and ask him to forgive your sins and repent of your sins, you become a believer in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says you're a new creation. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. Remember to order your copy of Care Given Write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States, Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also hear past messages of Canada's National Bible Hour by visiting our website, missiongo-radio.org.